Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. Let's get on with the show. the big scoop podcast it is episode 11 Gemma we're getting yeah. there legs 11 episode 11 <laughs> I didn't know you was a bingo caller I just came into in the balance. <laughs> in the balance. I get it all right nice one well thank you very much everybody for joining us and as you just heard us Gemma with me as well on the power of zoom so welcome back and uh, just a quick hello before we get started to our subscribers thank you very much for everybody who subscribed so far this week if you haven't done yet why not mom keep up to date with what we're what we're up to so look out for a big chat that's what youtube channel is now called but it's all under the big banner of the big scuba podcast anyway yeah. so understand we need people to subscribe as always remember to like share tell your friends spread the word and comment and if you hit the old uh, notification button you can ring the bell as we do here <laughs> So like, share, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. We're going up, we're going up in the world. We've got props now. <laughs> so hello to our patrons. Hi guys, to uh, you guys who are listening, and also to John who sent over part of his subscription. He passed it. He sent us over a question to ask John Tatton. There we go. Let's crack on. Have I forgot anything, Gemma? No, I think that's everything. All the social media details are right at the end of the episode. So listen to the episode, listen to John. It's all really interesting stuff. Yeah. So let's crack on with it. Let's delay it no further. Here is John Chatterton talking about Titanic. Hey. Can we um, dial back to Titanic? You know, such a unique dive, such a unique wreck. So when exploring the Titanic, you're crammed into this, the mere submersible, as we said, and the entire project, who's an expensive undertaking to dive two and a half miles. It's it's roughly 12,500 feet. Down to the bottom of the Atlantic. Once on the bottom, the water's freezing and the seafloor is lifeless, much like a moonscape. The wreck is twisted and broken. And the fact that this is a mass grave for 1,500 people was probably never far from you. On the other hand, Botanic is relatively shallow at 400 feet. 120 meters the water there is warmer blue and very clear and the wreck is encased in colorful sponges and marine growth while the shoals of fish sometimes block the visibility otherwise where the titanic is cold and in your own words dead and broken Titanic is alive and very much intact. titanic this they've got the algae which actually eating away at the metal isn't it on the titanic yeah you know they have discovered that uh, uh, um and it is you know, almost everywhere, you, you know, it, it is microorganisms, bacteria, and, and on different, different wrecks, even on different, you know, you see the rusticles on there, on different rusticles, you can have different dominant microorganisms. So, you know, it's a very complex thing, but essentially microorganisms are devouring the wreck. It's amazing, and, really, isn't it? They're trying to, the, the study it, it's it's far more profound on the deeper wrecks, primarily because there's little else in, in, involved. There's no other mitigating, you know, factors. Uh, you yeah. know, the Titanic doesn't really see much human traffic, and it's right. it's in the deep ocean. There's it's not subject to storms or hurricanes. It's like you know the the environment is relatively consistent. Looked at wrecks in the Gulf of Mexico. They they've they've looked at Titanic, even the Andrea Doria. And, and look, try to determine, you know, what what grows on what, what they like relative to the ferrous appetite of different organisms and all that. But a very, very interesting science. It is, yeah. They might be able to use that for something else, I dare say. They discover what that really is and look into it. Gemma, what have you got? Well, I just wanted to know what it felt like when you saw um, the Titanic for the first time, when it appeared out of the bloom. 
Yeah, you know, it is, you know, aside aside from the fact, you know, you're you're literally preparing for this moment for months. You know, by the by the time you get down there, it, it is, you know, you've just done a two and a half hour descent. As you're starting to get close to the bottom, you have a lot of stuff to do. Turn all the power off. You're, you, you Basically, you do nothing. You listen to your iPod. Two and a half hours on oh, the Oh, John, descent. I'll ask a question. You just listen to your iPod when you're that, down there? Oh, yeah. What was you listening to? Uh, um, all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I have a very diverse playlist. What, what, <laughs> what's the top ten? You must have had a top. What's yeah. the first What's the first album you're going to put on there? Bob Dylan, something like that? Oh, uh, You know, I definitely have, have some uh, uh, Bob Dylan on yeah. there, but but, uh, you know, uh, I think I probably, for Titanic, I, I had some Enya on there. Did you? You know, oh, yeah. It's like, you know, it is. Uh, Do you remember the album? Oh, uh, not off the top, not off the top of my head. Oh, John, but, when I had, when I bought a car, uh-huh. I'd always line up my first CD I was going to play in that car. Because you kind of want to remember that moment, don't you? When you, especially when it's a car, you saved up for like, you know, I'm going to enjoy this moment. You're going to go see the Titanic, amazing thing to do. You listen to some music. So when you first see Titanic, what do you remember? What you, what you Rich, had? On? Rich, Richie and I were working on the on the U-boat, and, and we were doing a, a weekend trip. And uh, we we decided it, we were going to make it was going to be all Led Zeppelin for the whole trip. Awesome. So there was a lot of Led Zeppelin on on the playlist. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, you know, there's there's so much other stuff. You, you know, you're just kind of sitting there ready to explode. You, you know, w- once you get on the bottom, you, you know, I mean, you've got you've got a Russian pilot who's in the middle. One side, you, you've got a cameraman, which when, when I was diving, I was always the cameraman. And, and, and you know, you've got cameras on on the mirror. But at the same time, we had cameras on the articulating arms and all that. So, you know, you've, you've got you've got stuff that you got to do. Yeah. You've got a job. The other guy going to be keeping track locations and times and 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 recording stuff. So later on, you know, you're going to be able to to match any video that we're shooting with what what was going on in the the sphere. So when you hit the bottom, <clears throat> everybody's busy working on stuff, and, and you know you don't even notice. You don't you don't really have time to go like, oh, you know, this is you're working on stuff. It's it's like, OK, we're we're it's time to go to work. You know, yeah. I've been sitting here for two and a half hours. When you leave the surface, it's very hot. By the by the time you get down to the bottom, the water temperature is just below freezing. Yeah. So it, it's the, the sphere starts cooling off. So you start out kind of in your underwear. And by by the time you return to the surface, you're wearing like Uggs and, you know, two pair of socks and, and a parka and uh, two hats. And uh, when you hit the bottom, it's like, go. Yeah. You've answered one of my questions because my brother asked me um, to ask you, actually, uh, what was the, pre- what was the te- difference in temperature and the difference in pressure? Between the top and the bottom, when you got to the bottom, well, you know the pressure. It's a one atmosphere sub, so yeah. so essentially it's at one atmosphere. But you get you've got three guys in there. We're all breathing oxygen and exhaling CO two. So essentially, there's like a big rebreather there, yeah. and and part of that is they've got a lithium hydroxide canister with a fan. And, and the fan just runs constantly and, and, and is pushing atmosphere in the sphere through the absorbent and, and uh, taking the CO2 out. But you also monitor the, the, the atmospheric pressure inside. You want to keep it right around one atmosphere. If, if, if we got to the surface and the atmospheric pressure is like like 0.9 atmospheres they can't they, they won't be able to open the hatch so it, you know you, the, you know like i said there's a there's a bunch of stuff that that you're tracking at the same time you you know you're trying to do what you're doing on the wreck my kids would probably be um, would right tell me off if, they, if i didn't ask when you was down there did you have yellow submarine 
and <laughs> song by Ringo Starr, the uh, uh, the, oct- the octopus's garden. Uh, I, I don't think so, but uh, I, I think we might have been a little more contemporary. You know, to, to tell you the truth, you know, when, when things when things really started, you're down there on the bottom for five six hours, and, and it's almost like you turn around. And it's and, you know, it's like, OK, we, we're it's time to go. And you're trying to get as close as you can to see as much as you possibly can. You, you know, it's it, it's the nature of the, the submersible you can see in front of you, but you can't see to the sides. You can't see behind you. Uh, you know, they put a, the design of the, the sphere is such that you put a minimal number of bulkheads uh, because the exterior pressure is like six thousand. PSI. So it's, it's like you don't want to put a whole bunch of holes through the bulkhead because the bulk, the, the sphere is not going to crush. I mean, the danger of the sphere crushing is virtually non-existent. But what can happen is you could, you could breach a, a, a through-hull connection. So if you've got one atmosphere, you've got 14.7 PSI on one side of the sphere, and and you've got six thousand psi on the other side of the sphere. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna uh, a pop like a firecracker. So yeah, I, I I would I would say this. You know, some some of the some of the wreckage that we found, we we were the first people see it. You know, the the other thing is, I'd already been on Britannic once. I I'd already studied the the construction. Uh, I had, uh, you know, studied uh, Titanic photographs, uh, uh, drawings, uh, all, all the stuff from uh, 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 Harlan and Wolf. Everywhere I went, I was seeing stuff that was familiar to me. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing that was like, you know, the 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 damage in in many areas was, you know, uh, unexpected and. You know, a question of degree and and things like that. But you know, there were things. That, you know, the structural steel, the the uh, uh, the 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 hull, the 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 engines, the, the wheelhouse, the bow. Uh, you know, everywhere we went, uh, I could identify what I was seeing. You know, and, and earlier you were talking about you know like the 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 you know the people, you know the the crew, the the passengers, and I mean that's the thing that really uh, uh, people are fascinated fascinated with about Titanic because Titanic isn't a Titanic isn't a story Titanic is is this this collage this it's like an impressionist painting that that there's there's all of these personal individual stories that that when you when you bring them all together are the story of of Titanic and people people love that part and at one point uh, uh, one of the one of the explorers on Titanic was saying oh and you know here's here's shoes lying here where you know the the deep ocean the, it, any anything organic is devoured by the deep ocean. That means, you know, wood, bodies, you know, cotton, you know, a- anything organic. There's something in the deep ocean that's going to use it as a food source. Yeah, of course. Shoes, not so much because of the tanning process. The tanning process makes it, you know, so so you do have shoes around. But, you know, these are also people who are expecting to, to uh, um, you know, arrive in New York. And, and you know, they've they've got suitcases. They've got luggage that, you know, they they've asleep and their their shoes. Right. It's like every time you see a shoe, it's not. Oh, there's there is a lost soul. It, it, it's like possible, but, you know, more likely not. It, it's also it's also part part of the the natural debris. You know, it, it is a different when you can lay hands on the wreck. It's it's different than than being in a submersible. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it looks like you could you could you know hop out of the you know open the hatch. I'm going to swim over there. And, that must uh, be tempting. Yeah. No. It, 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 and something that you thought about. It, yeah. it, you know, in in the deep ocean, literally, we saw saw bowls that were just sitting in the sand and yeah. they, they'd been there since the wreck went down and you could literally read 
white star line off the edge blind fish swimming around yeah. it, it, there's 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 blind crabs crawling around much current um some current uh, <laughs> I, I i wouldn't say a tremendous amount but uh, enough that you making navigating steering moving around the wreck is uh, uh, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. I was because um, I was thinking about the the kind of the physics of it. You know, the top speed of that ship was 23 knots, 26 mile an hour, and a drop of say two and a half miles. The speed that must have been going uh, as it you know was re- going down. That must have terminal velocity allowing. That must have been really moving. Well, the, you know the the other thing is. You know, the, the, the way it sank, in other words, it, it, it languished on the surface for a, a, a while. And, and what happened? The bow all filled with water. When the bow is heading down, there's no effects of, of compression on it. In other words, because it's water filled. That's yeah. why the bow is relatively speaking intact. The, the stern, on the other hand, you know, is sinking faster than the air can can make its egress from from the wreck. So so literally, there's a phenomenon called implosion explosion, where external pressure increases so rapidly, it's like an explosion inside. Mm-hmm. And, and so the stern area of not nearly as intact. As, as the bow is and it's because when when the bow went down it was full of water when the stern sunk the when the stern sunk it was mostly air air cavities and it was going so fast it was going faster than that air could exit literally driving in on it. that must have been going a hell of a rate in knots you know yeah. such a long way and um i was looking into how far away that is and i was having a quick look on google earth the two and a half miles is just over 40 blocks in Manhattan. Yeah. Um, that's from, it worked out, it's from Whitehall Terminal, Manhattan, South Ferry. And that would, get you, that would take you past Statue of Liberty right into uh, Jersey to, I think it's like a recreational ground there. But um, <laughs> that's a long old way. Or if you go the other way, it would take you right up to um, near on the Flatron building, you know, if you went from the same point. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and it's two and a half hours down, two and a half hours on on the way back up. Who got you into Rex in the first place? Bill, Bill Nagel was the guy that like inspired and motivated me. I I was just kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I was a, I was a hard hat diver. I I was out going on, you know, I I was just banging around having having fun and honing my job skills, trying to be a better diver. Uh, 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 at, on scuba, which was going to make me a better diver in, in hard hat. Yeah. A, and literally, Bill Nagel taught me to appreciate not just, uh, 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 you know, the wrecks, but it, it, it's like the history and, and the, 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 the challenges of, of uh, diving and, and, and solving puzzles. And, and yeah. you know, all of that I really got from the the guys that that i was diving with and, and they they really worked at uh, um sharing their 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 passion and their their knowledge and uh, uh i was lucky enough to be the recipient of a lot of that it was it was fun it it's it was fun diving with guys who were who were passionate creative and and probably uh, um mentally disabled but it's like <laughs> really? we, we we there were too That's many the thing things about these things there's, there's too many th- there's so many things that we just you know we, we were like oh you know what let's give it a try let's yeah, see how, let's see how it goes what's the worst can happen huh? you know and, and uh you know i think if you historically speaking um we we had we had far less uh, uh, um, in the way of, of injuries, probably probably because we were, you know, even though we were trying to do things we hadn't done before, we, we also realized that, you know, there's certain stuff you should be afraid of. Yeah, I was just going to say, is there anything um, that you still think that you need to learn or want to learn in the world of diving? Or is there anything new oh, that you want to try? Yeah, I, I, I think there's always 
there's always more to learn. I, I don't dive today the way I dove five years ago. And, and five years ago, I, I wasn't diving the way that I was five years before that. So, you know, th- things change. Uh, um, I still have challenges. There, there's places I want to go. There's things I want to do. You know, I, I've been teaching scuba diving in one way, shape, or form for, I, I think I became an NASDS instructor in, in 1987, uh, teaching, teaching open water divers. So I, I don't think you can really be an, an, an effective instructor who's in touch with their students unless you're also sitting in the, the student chair. Uh, got certified on the the Revo rebreather, and, and before that, I got certified on the the uh, the the Hollis uh, uh, rebreather. You learn it, but you also learn about the educational process. If if, if you're just if you're just sit, standing in front of the class going blah 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 blah, and, and you don't have any appreciation for what it's like to actually sit sit in the, in, in the class as a student. I think I, I think you're less effective as an instructor. Yeah. Have you ever considered doing like the Mariana Trench or cave diving? You know the 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 Marianas Trench is to me is is like you know okay why mm. you know uh, you know because because uh, you know again uh, you know my my core is okay when I get down there I want to do something you know and and, and I like. I like shipwrecks. If I'm out there and I see a turtle or a shark or, uh, you know, a giant squid or whatever, am I, am I excited? Yeah. Oh, oh, look, there's, you know, there's a tiger shark or hammerhead or whatever. Oh, you know, that's interesting. That's not why I dive. But uh, uh, cave diving, you know, I, I think cave diving, I, I'm, I'm, I'm full cave, rebreather cave, everything cave. However, I'm not really a cave diver. I, and I, w- I would never, you know, if, if I would never teach cave diving. Why? Because I don't, I don't have the passion for cave diving. So for me, I, you know, I, I like cave diving as I think it's good cross training. I think I, I, you know, I learned a lot, but cave, cave diving is cave diving and wreck diving is, is, is wreck diving. You know, for me, I, I know real cave divers and they feel about cave diving the way i feel about wreck diving that's what we're now feeling and i think mm. yeah there's so uh, many different areas where people have got so much le- different levels of passion for a particular path yeah, yeah. yeah. i get in the cave and i and, and you know if, if for a guy who believes every dive is a trading dive you know that's a that's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for me to do things that that a little bit different than I, than I normally do them, and that's great. But I have to say, when it comes to cave diving, the wet rocks at the front of the cave they look suspiciously <laughs> like the wet rocks at the very back of the cave. I think we're getting to that so, political debate. Which I, I don't I don't get. You know, on a shipwreck, you don't go down on the shipwreck and say, you know, this shipwreck looks looks a lot like that. You know, you know, the dive we made yesterday, if, if the wreck looks, if the wreck you're on looks like the wreck you were diving yesterday, it's the same wreck. You know, it, it, it is, it, it's, it's different. Why? Well, because shipwrecks are like people. They, they age like people do, unique and, and different. Every single wreck is unique and different. Cave diving is cave diving. And, and you know, I mean, that's some serious stuff. It's, it, you know, that's not, that's not. It's not to be undertaken lightly. So, what's it like when you approach a wreck, like where you know where there's live ordnance inside, and you know, and you know uh, no one's been there before, and you this is like new, or maybe one person's been there before, who knows? But you you know there's stuff in there. How do you sort of you know how do you first approach that? You know, as much as possible, live and let live. I I, I don't. I don't mess with the ordinance. The ordinance doesn't mess with me. Your primary defense, not just not just for that, but pretty much for for everything, is is developing your your sense of of situational awareness, and and, and the way you become the the way you can stay situationally aware is minimizing your physical exertion, minimizing the production of CO two. So so you know all all of this stuff fits together. 
uh, and you can't you can't segregate one one part of it from from another part of it. Uh, it, it it's if if you are situationally aware, you've got a good uh, self awareness, a good breathing pattern. Uh, um, you've done your preparation. You, you can conduct your dri- your dive with with a minimal amount of of drama and a maximum amount of awareness that you know when you get back on the boat you can say you know okay what did i learn from the wreck let me write let me write some of that down have you had a particularly scary moment in your diving career where you think yeah you know uh there's been a couple of them it's it's been when uh I, i you know i made stupid mistakes i'm a i'm a no no drama guy uh, I, i'm like that's the perfect dive for me the perfect dive for me is i want i want to do my my uh, uh my my preparation and my planning to a level where the dive is like almost boring it's like okay you know what if i'm gonna get all excited i'll get excited when i get back uh, 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 on the boat i'll get excited when I look at the GoPro video or I'll get excited when I clean the artifact, but it, it's like, uh, um, the, the closest, the closest I've ever come to, to, you know, losing my life underwater was, was my, my own mistake. And it, it was a perceptual problem. I, I was diving open circuit on a deep wreck and I, and I, somebody on the boat trying to help me out, closed the isolator on my manifold uh, and they 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 closed it and it's like okay and i i get down on the bottom and, and i'm looking at the one pressure gauge and it's not it's not moving and i'm like okay well i am i make the wrong assumption that this is a pressure gauge problem because why two weeks prior i'd had a bad pressure gauge it was the same brand i was like oh this is the other one i own this is the same one and and so I say, you know what? I'm gonna. I, am I gonna call the dive? No, I'm just gonna dive without a. I'll dive without a broken pressure gauge. Uh, um, but I'll I'll cut back on my bottom pine and, and uh, um, you know be okay. And, and I was uh, I I went and traveled about 200 feet away from the anchor line. I was working on something with a sledgehammer. And I just, I got to a certain point where I was like, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm feeling something. And what it was, it was, it was the breathing characteristics of the regulator were changing. And I was running out of gas and I started to head back and I'm in 270 feet of water with a, I'm, I'm out of back gas. Um, and I assume because I was swinging a sledgehammer, that's why I was out of gas. So I, I, I'm breathing my 36% traveling the 200 feet back to the anchor line. I get to the anchor line. Now I didn't have my 80%. I had to stop, grab my 80% and I'm heading up the anchor line. And you know, there were other divers, but I, I, I didn't really see any divers at that time, but it's like, okay, so I get up around 100 feet. Now I'm running out of 36%. And at 100 feet, I'm going to be switching over to 80%. And, and I'm like, I didn't like breathing 36% on the bottom. And now I'm breathing at 100, 100% at, or 80% at 100 feet. I like that even less. <laughs> and, and, I, and I, you know, I just kind of said to myself, you know, if only I had another regulator to breathe. And and it occurred to me that I hadn't tried my secondary. <laughs> and so I, I took a breath and I'm like, you know, I reached back, checked my isolator, opened it up all the way. I could hear the gas traveling back and forth. And, you know, it, it, everything was great. But, you know, it, it, it would have been rather embarrassing for me to be found dead with uh, one empty cylinder and one full cylinder because everybody would have been able to figure out exactly what happened. <laughs> and uh, so so I, I'm like, um, it, it wasn't a single bad decision. It was a few bad decisions. You know, I, I immediately jumped on. I blamed this this poor, innocent pressure gauge for uh you know, n- not not working for me when the reality is I, I should have vetted the problem more thoroughly before yeah. I, I, I went and moved on. A- and, um, you know, a valuable learning experience. Yes. 
in trouble to the point where I was going to get hurt. So in terms of kind of what you're involved in at the moment, have you got any ongoing projects or any TV work, books? Yeah, I, I, I've been doing a, a, some stuff for for uh, for TV that uh, it, it is uh, it was supposed to come out like roughly around now. But uh, uh, they're they're pushing it back because the, the production crew isn't done producing, and because uh, of the coronavirus stuff. But I I uh, and I've got a couple of shipwreck projects I'm working on. But I I, I don't tell people what I'm gonna do. I yeah. tell people what I've done. Just on wrecks, do you prefer diving old wrecks or relatively modern ones? Have you got any preference? It makes zero difference. They, they, they. You know, for for older wrecks, like if I'm diving colonial period wrecks or something like that, uh, um, the the challenges are are far more. It, it, they're less physical challenges. Like the the diving part of it is is less challenging, but the 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 intellectual part of trying to locate the wreck is always far more challenging. With 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 deeper wrecks, it's it's usually easier to 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 find the wreck. Big steel wrecks, you know. If if you're looking for a big steel wreck, it's it's in deeper water, and and people otherwise somebody's already found it. But it's it's like um, you know, so it's 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 fun either one. And, 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 you know, if you're lucky enough as, as I am, you know, I've been incredibly fortunate, you know, the opportunities that have come my way and, and continue to come my way. You know, I, I like hopping around doing, doing different stuff just because it's fun. So what would you say to anyone who's thinking about taking up scuba diving? Something like uh, Jim. Well, you know what? I, 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 w- I would say this. If uh, this diving is is far too much work to to uh, uh, if if you're not really passionate about it, and, and you know there's there's no shortage of reasons to go diving. You know, cave divers divers love caves, wreck divers love wrecks, reef divers love reefs. People are in the water trying to grow coral. People are in the water trying to uh, recover treasure. People are in the water trying to uh, uh, do any number of different things. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the, uh, um, I think in general, uh, um, I would like to see new divers come to diving uh, um, with, with the motivation of making the ocean a better place. Yeah. Um, you know, it is uh, every time I go diving as much as possible, uh, um, you know, I want to I want to leave it cleaner than uh, when I jumped in the water. Yeah. If I if I find stuff that is damaging to the environment or I find uh, uh, um, sea creatures that are in need of assistance, I, I you know, I, I want to be I want to try and make things yeah. better if i have an opportunity to get any of that stupid gold or silver out of the ocean i just like <laughs> I always do that so it's not gonna we don't want any of that that uh, gold or silver it. pollution do we no definitely not no uh, no it's good though we've got to be responsible as we dive you know you see too much of it just walking around the streets these days so i think at least when we're diving and what have you we've got to be responsible and pick up the see the litter and you know as well, it should be. you know the the other thing is if you are if you're diving you have an awareness about the ocean yeah and, and uh, you know if we're if we're aware we're far more likely to actually uh, uh, take care of it i dive w- without an uh, agenda i may have a mission but yeah. I don't have an agenda. I, I, I love I love getting in the water. I love working on projects. I love finding wrecks. I love finding stuff on wrecks. I love documenting wrecks. I love training other divers. I like trying new stuff. And uh, all, all that, you know, that's how, that's how that's how I I have fun. Yeah. Now that comes across definitely. Yeah. So when you go on a holiday, do you go on a diving holiday, or do you give diving a rest? I've actually tried that a couple of times. I, I, I took a uh, a cruise on like the the Queen Mary two. They offered we, we you know we we went down and I, I think it was like uh, one of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they're like, oh, we offer scuba diving. I was like, scuba diving? What? You know what? I didn't I didn't have anything. I, I it was in all rental gear, 
and, and you know, they're like, okay, you got to fill out this form. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, you know, highest certification, you know, deepest dive, 12,500 feet, you know, <laughs> nobody said, <laughs> nobody even looked at that stuff, but you know, they also, they also gave, you know, my, my regulator was good to about 70 feet deeper than 70 feet. It was like trying to like suck, suck air through a cocktail straw, but, uh, um, you know, for, for, you know, I, I, I like to, I like to do stuff with, with, uh, my, my family. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, on occasion that can be diving, but most of the time it's probably not. I am a, a firearms instructor. Right, so yeah. I, I, I train people in uh, uh, shooting and, and uh, uh, self-defense and, and things like that. Um, I really enjoy doing. I, I really enjoy the, the, the teaching side of that, which is you know, it, it's different subject matter, but at the same time, I think I'm a better firearms instructor because I'm a, a dive instructor and I'm a better dive instructor because I'm a, a, a firearms instructor. Yeah. You've also got a twin in Queensland in Australia. When we put your when we uh, when you look at your name, you've got a guy in Australia, exactly the same name, John Chatterton dot com. He uh, trains horses. Oh yeah, yeah, and no, I, I've, 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 seen, I've seen that guy. Have you ever been to the UK? Oh yeah, no, I, I've been, I've been diving in uh, North Sea, diving uh, uh, south coast, east coast, uh, um, diving out of Cornwall, right? And uh, uh, the the uh, what we we sh we did a bunch of stuff for for TV there, and, and uh, of course diving Lusitania off of Ireland. And, uh, but I, you know, the guys in, guys in the UK, uh, um, wreck divers specifically in the UK are, are very, you know, they're very dedicated guys. They're, 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 they're serious about their diving. I think part of it is like, you know, just Island people having an appreciation of their maritime heritage and, yeah. and, and all that, you know, I, I've been diving, uh, uh, up in Scotland, uh, uh diving at Loch Ness. You know, I think I, I, I think I think we dove, you know, I, I don't believe you see Nessie. Did, don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster. No, come on, it's true. Oh, only only because. OK, what's Nessie eating? Yeah, but you you know? remember, there's millions of pounds of the tourists, you know, dependent on Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that part that part I totally realized. But I have to say. You know, it, it, the visibility there is terrible. If you if you go right off of Urquhart Castle there, uh, the, you know it's there's a lot of tannin in the water. The very it's like, it's like diving it's like diving in tea. You know, you get down on the bottom in like 400 feet of water in Loch Ness, you're going like, nah, I don't believe in four 400 feet of water. You're like, I don't believe in Nessie. I mostly don't believe in Nessie. Have you got a favorite dive location that, you know, sets itself apart from anywhere else you've been in the world? Uh, you know, it's I'm always looking forward to the next dive, wherever that might be. Uh, um, I just uh, la roughly a year ago, I was in Bikini for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, fantastic, uh, uh, you know, a totally different wreck diving experience, authentic, genuine wrecks. Bikinis where the, the U.S. did their uh, atomic bomb tests after yeah. World War II, and there's, there's a whole fleet there, and, and, and I had a great time. But what, it's did like, you do all of them? Did you do the aircraft carrier? Oh, yeah. No, we, we dove the, the, uh, uh, the Saratoga a bunch of times. Yeah submarine there you dove we had a lot of the nagato all that it, it, it was it was it was some spectacular diving you know it, it you know i mean a really remote location very 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 difficult to get to and and that that means you know it's it's, it's not crowded the aircraft carrier was uh, you know absolutely awesome uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, obviously those wrecks are aging, but uh, um, uh, some unbelievable penetrations on, on like the Saratoga, the Nagato too, for that for that matter. So, what is your sort of favorite moment? Where, you know, you've done loads of different dives and you know different wrecks and stuff. If you had to kind of sort of pick one as a 
Can't do it. It's too bad. I can't do it. Every wreck is unique and different. There's, there's things about different wrecks. You know, I, I, I've been on wrecks that were, you know, oh, this is not as interesting as it, you know, I had hoped it would be or, or something like that. But, uh, uh, you know, on, on the plus side, is there one wreck that is above all others? It's like, no, literally, I don't. If there is a wreck that outdoes all the others, I hope it's still ahead of me. Still to find it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's reasonable. I'm working on that. And so we'll, 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 see, we'll see if I can make, bring that to fruition. So we contacted uh, your friend Richard about joining us on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, so what's the best story to ask him about, which maybe most people don't really don't know about? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly. Uh, have him have him tell you about his his first dive in, in the mere submersible to Titanic and what Ralph did to him. Right. OK, he he, he will. <laughs> it's a great it's a great story. And he probably okay. won't. Ralph White is a, an accomplished cinematographer and, and uh, 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 um, you know, with all kinds of uh, dives on, on Titanic, amongst other places ralph white pulled a a a prank on him Uh, let richie tell you about it yeah okay we'll look forward to that so what you know what aspirations have you got for the future you know where do you see sort of where do you sort of see yourself now in sort of a few years time still diving we hope you know so yeah no i i got i've got i've got i want to yeah i want to accomplish i want to accomplish all my goals Uh, Mm -hmm. and you know i i still enjoy i still enjoy teaching i don't feel like burned out or anything like that write a a a rec textbook i'm kind of like working on that a little bit and Mm -hmm. and i and i have very specific rec projects that i'm working on that i I wouldn't i wouldn't talk about until i until i complete them I, I, uh, I enjoy everything that I'm, I'm doing. It's all fun. Every year I kind of try and, uh, you know, I, I have to put time into, you know, maintenance on equipment and research and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, this year I was very busy over the winter. It, you know, I didn't get a chance to do all the stuff. And plus I like kind of like taking a little bit of a breather. Lockdown hasn't been so bad for me. I, I am making uh, good use, good use of, of my time. And, um, and coming on top podcasts like this, of course. Uh, you, you know what? It's it's I I don't I don't do that many podcasts a year. I, I don't uh, do that many like uh, uh, um, speaking engagements. Uh, we need to shout, do a little shout out to our um, our great patron John. He's uh, he's very kindly asked us to ask you a question, and uh, that is uh, John asked. How much involvement have you had in the Rob Curzon novel, Shadow Divers? Um, Rob, Rob Curzon is uh, um, a good friend of mine. Uh, I've worked with him twice. I worked with him uh, on, on the book Shadow Divers, and I worked with him uh, on another book that he wrote, Pirate Hunters, about, about when I was working in the Dominican Republic with John Matera. But, you know, Rob contracted Richie and myself uh, um, after we'd uh, uh, done Hitler's Lost Sub, we, we'd identified the U-boat, and you know, Rob said he wanted to talk to us, and, and and literally he showed up at my house in New Jersey. He brought his then pregnant wife with him. Literally, he he you know he's asking questions, and and it's like machine gun questions, and it's questions upon questions. It was more like a police interrogation than it was like an interview. He's you know sometimes he'd be like, well if you well if you said that, and like you know an hour and fifteen minutes ago you said that he's very he's very precise, but you know he got it as good as he as he gave it. Literally, he's he, he he's he's like no he's he's like no I I want I want to write I want to write this book and um, he says but I, I like I've got to make I've got to make notes but I said well you know like we're gonna we're gonna throw some steaks on the grill we're gonna have dinner so why don't you join us for dinner he's like no I have to work I I have to I've got ideas in my head I have to. I have to. I have to write them down. As a matter of fact, there's so much stuff going on in my head, I can't drive the car. Amy, you got to drive the car. She's like, she's like, well, I don't really feel good. He's like, well, I can't drive the car because. And we're, 
you know, and he gets in the car and he drives away and Richie and I wave goodbye to him and all. And we're like, this guy's like a, a nut. He's perfect for us. But because he, you know, his, his relationship to his writing was really mirrored the relationship that Richie and I had to, to our wreck diving. Yeah. So, so we kind of understood Rob and Rob, Rob was, was, you know, he, he was, he was, we, we worked with another guy who wanted to write a book and, and we went, nah, you know, this guy, this guy's more like a, a magazine article. It was like, he, he didn't see the big picture. Rob Curson really, really saw the, the big picture. Working with Rob was a learning experience. I read that book, and, and, and that, that's why I'm a diver. I love that book. Right, so what is your favorite marine animal and why? Uh, octopus. He's, oh, they always seem like they, they, they got uh, eight, eight different things going on, and I, I, I identify with that. Yeah, that's cool. We have, we have had an answer like that before as well. It's, it's an element of chaos to it. <laughs> you can name up to three people. Uh, they can be past, present, who you would choose to dive with, or snorkel with, because they don't have to be a diver. So they could be personal history, celeb, family member, and why you would want to dive or snorkel with them. Uh, um, I, I would say Richie Kohler, John Matera, and Alec Hutchinson. Oh, because they're all, they're all friends of mine, and, and uh, they don't make me uh, 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 scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's good. Who would you like to see we have as a guest in the future and why? Who would you like to see us have on the podcast? Uh, um, you, you know what? Rob Curson. Yeah, sure. Okay. Any reason why? Because he is not a diver, yet he knows so much about diving. He's written two books about diving. I think your audience would like to hear... What he says about diving is totally, there's no bias in there. Okay. Well, if you mind passing an email to us, and then we'll we'll set that up. Oh, sure. What's your favorite dive kit? I like I like changing stuff around. But if you, if you said, what is the thing that makes me most com- comfortable underwater? Um, it, w- it would be the Kirby Morgan stainless steel model 37 dive helmet. I always like metal hats. It's the first one that was actually designed buoyancy and trim wise. Put a helmet on your head. It, it's like your little office. My current rebreather favorite would probably be the Revo. Only because I think it's it's a very low profile, which for, for squeezing through tight shipwreck restrictions, I think yeah. that's 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 the best one. Oh, good. That's good. If you could put something on a billboard, metaphorically speaking, non-commercial, whether it be a statement, image, a question, a quote, anything to get the message out there to the billions of people, say, is there anything that comes to mind that you'd put on a billboard? Yeah. You people better clean up the ocean. In this disposable world, when you make a lot of trash, you can't help but having a large amount of trash end up in the ocean. It's trash. It's garbage. When trash migrates into the ocean, it hurts the marine animals that live there. Mm. You're not going to take care of the ocean, which takes care of us, if you kill all the animals in it. Yeah. With that in mind, uh, they've found plastic parts of plastics and stuff in the Mariana, Mariana trenches. Yeah, uh, sure. Was there, sure. Any, was there any signs of that? When you went to the Titanic, was there of like modern day pollution? Ah, uh, yes, there was modern day pollution. A lot of it, a lot of it was uh, put there by other explorers. You know, the 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 uh, Nautil, the French submersible that's there, used to uh, jettison weight, which was just scrap steel, steel steel plates, and 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 that kind of thing. That stuff is better than plastic debris. Yeah. Uh, um, so you know, I, 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 I it, it's not it's not aesthetics you know it's it, it's the, the the viability you're you're smothering the environment with a bunch mm-hmm. of small microplastic you know they, they, they'll have a cleanup thing at the beach and what are they picking up are they, they're picking up flip-flops they're picking up uh, 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 plastic bottles well that's not the real problem what's the real problem the real problem is small pieces of plastic mm-hmm. I, I was in bikini nobody lives in bikini there's a, you know, there's, there's like a couple of government guys that stay there for six months and then they're, they're rotated out. But nobody lives in Bikini. On the windward side of, of the atoll, it was full of trash. The beach, the beach was 
full of trash. 50% of it, commercial fishing debris. 50% of it, flip-flops, bottles, plastic in every shape and form. This is an uninhabited island that is now covered in trash. And where do you take it? If you pick it up, where are you going to... It's an atoll. So if you pick it up off the beach and you put it in a pile, well, the next storm they have, it's going to be back out on the beach. Turtles can't come up to lay their eggs without getting all tangled up in the in the fishing debris. You know, we need to wake up and take better care of the ocean. You know, they, they, for all the for all the talk about global warming, global warming, global warming, global warming, we're, we we got to fix this. You're going to tell me you're going to control the heat of the planet when you can't even pick up the trash off the ground? No. I don't believe it. Don't believe it. you can't. You got nothing. I'm going to believe until you pick up the trash. Pick up yeah. the trash. Make less trash. But I tell you what, John. You know, talking to you today and hearing you say this, and you know, I, I asked you that question. The one thing you want, the message you walk out there is about the your challenge for everybody else reducing plastic waste. I think it's actually brilliant. You know, I think that's really inspirational to to hear you say that for a guy at your level telling everybody, you know, where you've been, you've seen the evidence and like where everybody now needs to be thinking about reducing the waste. We, we got to pick up the waste that, that we've already made and moving forward, make less. Yeah. It's not that, it's not that complex. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not like code or we don't need new technology. Let's pick up the trash that we already have and let's make less. Brilliant. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on. My pleasure, guys. You guys have an awesome day. <laughs> so long. Brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Reds and yellows on the lake. Take the options from the well, that was the John Chatterton, an amazing world-renowned diver, and we do thank him for his time and inspiring conversation. If you have any questions for John Chatterton, then please do email us or contact us via our social media platforms so we can pass them on. Footage of his dives will be appearing on our YouTube channel shortly so you can see dives of the Titanic from this kind of perspective. We would like to clarify that we are in no way affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. You are more than welcome to make comments about the show or if you have suggestions for topics for future episodes or would like to be a guest, then do send us an email or a message on our social media. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Big Scuba and on Twitter at the underscore big underscore scuba. We also have a YouTube channel where all episodes are streamed along with footage of dives. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and share. Our email address is thebigscubapodcast at gmail.com and we will respond promptly. If you would like to become a Patreon, support us, go to the patreon.com forward slash thebigscubapodcast and here you can make a monthly subscription. And these start from as little as $2 or approximately £1.60. You can become a big octopus for $2, a big dolphin for $5, or a big orca for $20, and then this massive big blue whale for $50. Any contributions are really appreciated by us, so big thank you to our current patrons and potential new ones. Our music is kindly supplied by a couple of local bands called Telling Truths and Marigolds, and you can listen to them more via iTunes and Spotify. Their links are in the show notes. So, once again, thank you for listening to episode 11, and it won't be too long before episode 12 comes out, which will be more conversations with the truly inspirational shark listener, Christina Zanato. Stay safe, keep smiling, and cheerio from myself and Ian. Goodbye.